The book of Hebrews tonight, Hebrews chapter number 6, Hebrews chapter number 6. Uh, thank you for the music. It's been great all day, choir, great job today. And I uh, look forward to what the Lord has for us from the Word of God tonight. Now I'm going to jump right into the message. My plan is for tonight and next Sunday night to bring a two-part uh, message to a little, I don't even call it a series, because there's two parts to a message uh, from Hebrews chapter number 6. Uh, my goal is to get through half of it this evening and then deal with another part of this passage of Scripture, the first six verses, next Sunday night. And I want to use the next couple of Sunday nights to uh, help us uh, as far as being vigilant. Um, the God is obviously blessing uh, His church. Uh, he's going to bless His church because His church is moving by faith. Um, and I always want us to be careful, as I have preached recently, when, when we get God's attention, we don't just get God's attention, we get the enemy's attention, uh, because the enemy wants to stop uh, what God is doing. And so there are, there are, as a pastor, there are a couple of concerns that I always have, uh, not just, uh, and generally speaking, for, for Christians in general, for the churches, uh, for the enticements of this world, for a Christian to be swayed by the enticements of this world. And that's why we're to be reminded to avoid certain things. That's why we're to be reminded that there's some things just better to stay away from. And uh, that's a good way to uh, live. Uh, but doctrinally, too, the devil is always on the prowl. We live in a day where you see things like coexist. You can't coexist when everybody in there is trying to kill the other one. Um, you, you, can't co you can't coexist. Doctrinally, there's no coexisting. We misinterpret some things. When a Christian uh, falls, we leave them. And when they leave the faith, we want to hug them. Both are wrong scripturally. Uh, when a Christian falls, first thing I do is pray for them. Not get on Facebook and talk about it. Uh, not pick up the phone and talk about it. Um, you ought to, at the church, this is a church that welcomes broken people. This is a church that welcomes imperfect people. Look around. That's pretty obvious. That's always going to be this way. My arms are open to the prodigal. My arms are always open to the prodigal. My arms are open. If you, if, if you stumble, listen to the Word of God, heed the Word of God, stay close to God so that you never stumble. But if you do, I want the first person you call is your pastor. I will pray for you. I will love you. I will help you any way I can help you. Uh, that's my heart. I believe that's God's heart. It's a little bit different when it comes to the doctrines of the Word of God. The Bible tells me as the pastor of this church to operate in the opposite manner when it comes to the faith. We live in a day-to-day, -day, in a society today, where Christians all get lumped together, and they use that word Christian, and they lump everyone together. Uh, we were reminded of this, and it always comes to mind when this group of us that were in Israel, we weren't Jews, so we were Christian, and so they treated us like Catholics. But we're not that either. Um, so, um, you know, so it comes to doctrines. I want us to know <clears throat> what we believe doctrinally. 
And I want us to be vigilant. And tonight I'm going to get into this, and I want us to see the importance of being vigilant. We often say we want to keep the faith and contend for the faith. Many times we don't even know what the faith is. So I want us to be vigilant when it comes to the faith. And then next week, Lord willing, I will spend the time in this passage uh, showing us what the Bible says about those who leave the faith. Not just how they're supposed to be treated, but those, but but how, uh, what's going to take place in their life. And so this is important to us because it goes back to Genesis chapter number 3, the first man and woman in the Bible. The devil gave Eve false doctrine. He quoted the scripture almost. He twisted it almost. And young people, listen to me, and everyone listen to me. If you get enticed by this world and you leave the, the, the things of God for the sin of this world, that is rebellion. It is rebellion against this book. But if you leave the faith that has been once delivered to the saints and you embrace another doctrine, that is rebellion as well. And God puts them in two different categories. So I'm laying all that ground, groundwork because we're not gonna, it's going to be more like a Bible study tonight. But, I, but I've been praying about when to teach this. I've had this I've prepared for some time now. And I want to take the next few nights to, to lay a groundwork that you and I can be vigilant with. Hebrews chapter number 6, verse 1. Therefore... Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance. Pretty strong statement. Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. You can already see how serious it is for someone to embrace a different doctrine. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very serious matter to the point where God says it's impossible that's why your pastor will make the statement, somebody who has become entangled, I will, I will sit with them, I will try and help them, I will embrace them, because the Bible commands me to, and I love for them. But this Bible says those that have left the faith and taken another, it's impossible for them to return. So tonight I want to deal with verse number one, and I've got to move very, very quickly because there's much to get to. I want you to listen intently. I'm going to read, for sake of time, a lot of what I'm going to say tonight. And so I, I want you to listen to what I, I, I've been using this a lot, and some things have taken place in our, in our church in the last year. The Lord calling some individuals home, and it's really, and I've mentioned this recently, it's really reminded me of how when my time comes, I want to be serving God. I want to be praising Him on this side of eternity, and in that instant, step right into praising Him on the other side of eternity. I want to serve Him on this side and step right into eternity and serve Him on the other side. In order to do that, I've got to stay away from the things of this world that would weaken my faith. But I've got to stay right doctrinally. Uh, it's important that you're at a church that preaches the Bible, that teaches the Bible. If your pastor didn't have such a winning personality, well, I, 
I thought I'd get a better response of that. The Word of God is being preached, and it's important. Let's have, I'm tonight I'm going to preach on the faith that Paul kept. The faith that Paul kept. Father, help us tonight. I pray that you would control my thoughts and my mind. Father, may the Spirit of God teach us, instruct us. Father, may our faith be strengthened. May our church be strengthened. My goal tonight is for each of us to be reminded of how important it is for us to hold the certain truths, to be reminded of how easy it is for us to be susceptible to be pulled away. And Father, may, may we all, because of what we hear tonight, be just a little bit more vigilant uh, for that sly adversary, that one who wants to deceive, that one who wants to entice. And Father, may we not fall prey uh, to him. I ask you bless your people, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. In 2 Timothy chapter number 4, in verse number 6 and 7, I'll read it for you. I want you to stay in Hebrews. For I am now ready to be offered at the time my departure is at hand. We know we spent much time in the past in these words of Paul. In verse 7, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Well, great words. Words that we should all set as a standard in our life. But I'm afraid that many do not what it mean, know what it means when it says to keep the faith. Tonight, I hope that we're using Hebrews chapter number 6 that I can shed some light for us of what Paul meant when he said, I have kept the faith. Uh, by in, in making an introductory statement, you nor I nor any other man determines what the faith is. God has determined what the faith is. When he says, I have kept the faith, he was being very specific about his faith. One thing we know about the Apostle Paul, and if you were here on those Wednesday nights during that series of ministry companions, once he said his mind, he, he said, I'm, gonna, I'm saved, God's, God's called me, He's going to use me. His mind was made up, and he was, he was gone serving the Lord. He didn't have time to, to deal with things that would distract him. He had settled the faith so that he could go and do a work for God. He did not question it. He did not sway from it, nor tolerate others who endlessly debated what he had established already to be true. If the Apostle Paul lived in this day, he wouldn't be watching YouTube videos trying to get his doctrine from that. He wouldn't be having a debate podcast. He's too busy winning people to Christ. If you've got time to do all that, I know what you don't have time to do. Paul was busy winning people to the Lord. We live in this question-everything generation. We see more and more Christians straying from what they once believed. They are going back questioning the faith. I remind you, it's a faith once delivered unto the saints. There's not two faiths. It's once delivered. Once delivered, and the best-selling author didn't deliver it. The YouTube king didn't deliver it. Jesus himself delivered the faith. It was once delivered to the saints. Our job is not to question the faith. Our job is to keep the faith. So in order, I want you to think logically with me tonight. So in order to keep the faith, we must establish what the faith is. I'm reminded of 2 Timothy 3.4 when Paul writes to Timothy, but continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of, 
knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He said, continue, let me put it bluntly, in what your pastor taught you. Continue in what you have been assured of. He didn't say you need to revisit it over and over again to see if it was really right. No, if it was right to begin with, it's still right. So continue in it. By the way, if this book was good enough for you to get saved with, it's still good enough. If the Emmanuel Baptist Church was good enough to rear you, it was good enough to provide for you, it was good enough to teach you character, it was good enough to instill ethical uh, values inside of you, it's still the same book, it's still the same doctrine, it's still the same church. But we, I don't want us to fall prey because there are even independent Baptists who have a platform who are making a name for themselves, questioning everything that previous generation did. They're questioning everything that their own fathers did. That, that, that's, we have to understand how serious that is. Because I want to explain why some have even been deceived unknowingly because they have, they're trusting an individual, but they don't understand when Paul said, I have kept the faith, he kept it because he wasn't always revisiting it. He kept it because he wasn't always researching it. By faith, he received the faith, he established it, and as we'll see, he built a work on it. If you establish your foundation, you build a work on it, you can't go replace your foundation. You have no work. We must realize what that foundation is. The book of Hebrews discusses this and discusses mature Christians should move on from and not continue to question. Someone who questions the faith is an immature, is an immature Christian. But they say that they're an immature Christian. You know why you're to learn the Word of God? So you can go do the will of God. There's no reward in heaven for I studied the Word this much long. There are rewards in heaven for winning people to Christ. Those that have so many YouTube followers shine as the stars. Is that what the Bible says? Oh, no. Those that win souls. Those that are in the business of fulfilling the Acts 1-8 mandate. We have to be careful... And I'm preaching this message because we live in the electronic age. We live where somebody can say something on the other side of the world, and it comes right to your phone. And I'm concerned, and I've preached on this in the past, of how parents, you've got to be concerned about the filth that can come right to the palm of your child's hand. You did not, you did not have that be able to come to you like that. And in many times, you, don't, you can't even enter a password on a computer, some, but your children can. So I warn us about that today we live in. But okay, Christian, you need to be warned about the filth through false doctrine that can come to your phone too. We must be vigilant when it comes to the things of God. And tonight I'm going to teach and show you how it gets Christians who had the faith, and it gets them to the point they, they leave the faith, and I don't want anybody in here to fall prey. I want you to... Stay true to the things of God. We find in this passage of, of Scripture that 
the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. That does not mean forsaking them. That means we have them and I'm moving on from them. Let us go on unto perfection. That perfection does not mean I live a perfect life. It means for me to be complete is for me to do the work that God has called me to do. I am to do what God has created me for. I enjoy reading that book. I enjoy studying. Part of what God has called me to do is to study that book, and I'll get this in a moment, so, it, so I can rightly divide it. But I have a purpose that God has created me for. He says, let us not go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation. The Bible says, let us go on. We are to leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ and go on to perfection. It's not sinless perfection. It's completing the, the calling God has placed upon us. 1 Timothy 1.4. Paul warns Timothy, neither, neither giving heed to fables and endless genealogies. What he's saying is stay away from these ones that all they have is more questions. Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Deep buried in the... You know, it's amazing how all these 21, 22-year-olds all, all, all of a sudden are Greek scholars. Uh, you know, well, what about this? That's what he's talking about. You don't have to worry about that because you've established the foundation. We lay the foundation of the principles of Christ, and then we build our ministry upon those foundations. Some Christians will never serve God because they've never become established in the faith. When someone trusts Christ as their Savior, the devil's not happy about it. He can never touch that soul. But we should praise the Lord for that. So what he will do is he will try and keep that new Christian from getting grounded in the truth. What is being grounded in the truth? Those foundations to which they build a work on. Think about this from an eternal perspective. If someone gets saved, the devil has lost that soul forever. God has it. Now what God tells every child of God is to go win someone else. If we all fulfilled, if every new Christian fulfills the commands of God, they're going to win somebody else. So therefore, Satan wants to prevent them from winning anyone else. And so he will try and hinder them in their faith. And one way that he does that is to get them asking questions about the foundation upon which they receive their salvation. We often misinterpret this passage of Scripture, we must keep in mind that Christians should not continue their life in the milk of the Word. And this is misinterpreted. You've heard that before. There's the milk and the meat of the Word. And we have this misconception that the milk is just a little bit of Scripture, and the more and more and more I read the Scripture, that becomes the meat of the Word. That is not what the Bible says. Jesus says the meat is the will of the Father. It's the work. We drink the milk to get strong enough to do the work. When you and I get to heaven, we are not going to be judged on how much Bible we know, although we should know as much Bible as we can. We're going to be judged on what we did with the Bible that we do know. It's, it's wonderful that you know all the doctrines of salvation, but who have you told about salvation? Who have you witnessed to? Uh, who, who have, who's, whose eternity have you made a difference in? 
Certainly, we should study the Bible, but a Christian is not more mature because he is studious. He is more mature because he is doing the work of God. If you go from just my goal for every Christian, every member of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, of course, they're saved, baptized, part of the church, is for them to start serving. Because in order to serve, you've got to grow. That's why uh, there are some who could testify this tonight. The first time I came to them, I said, I want to teach a Sunday school class. I can't teach a Sunday school class. But what they did is then they started studying the Word of God, not for themselves, but for somebody else. They started giving of their time. They started giving of their effort. And in order to do the work, they had to grow. We don't grow just by sitting around and studying. We grow by doing. Certain we should study the Bible, but the purpose of studying is not to be a scholar, but to be a workman who is not ashamed. 2 Timothy 2.15 teaches, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are to be a workman. Are we doing the work of Christ? And one reason why we revisit and question the very faith that we trusted Christ for is because we're not working. We should be working rightly and a study show thyself approved to God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now listen carefully. I'm going to read a lot of this. Christians are to study to be approved unto God. We are not to be approved unto God to be, we are, we are to be approved unto God to be workmen, not know-it-alls. Not deeper life Christians. But workmen doing God's will. This verse does not say we are approved by God. We are approved unto Him so that we are worthy workmen for Him. We're to be workmen so that we will not be ashamed of wasting our lives and not doing God's will. What a shame if we one day we, stand, we stand before God having studied but nothing to show for us as workmen. Let me, let me give some clarity to this. A lot of times, because we believe this book was by simple faith, we're accused of being shallow and ignorant. Well, you're just one of those Bible believers. Yeah, last time I checked. Well, have you really studied the Word? Have you really got into the Greek and the Hebrew? Let me answer that for you. No. I can have that conversation with you. But I speak English. Let me tell you what Bible I'm going to read. I'm going to read my English Bible, my King James Bible. Why am I going to read that? Because it's the one that God has preserved for me. Well, don't know, because I've established it by faith. Uh, we ought to study so that we are a workman, so that we are able to win people to Christ with the gospel. It would be like studying to be a carpenter and facing the shame of never building anything. These internet Bible theologians, they know a lot but have never done a thing. And I've said this before, I'm not interested in anybody outside of this church telling me how to pastor this church who's never built a thing. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of pastors and evangelists and others who want to tell everybody how to build a church and they've never built anything. I'm not letting somebody who's written a book, who's never built a Sunday school class, who's never built a church, who's never helped build a life, tell me where my doctrine should be. And I'm sure not going to have those who have left the faith want to turn back and have, try and have me question the very faith that my salvation is rooted in. 
I'm not, I'm not going to do it. It's like a carpenter, somebody who studies carpentry and can tell everybody how to build, build, build something, and they've never built a thing. I see Brother Tony sitting over here. He's been in carpentry for two or three weeks or something like that. Matter of fact, he built, he built this pulpit. That's why I don't put my weight on it. I don't want it to collapse under me. Could you imagine somebody who's studied carpentry, read a book? They watch a bunch of YouTube videos on how to build a pulpit, how to build some cabinets. Going to Tony, who's been doing this. I mean, he helped Noah with build the ark. So, I mean, I mean he, he's been doing this for a long, long time. You're laughing because you believe, actually believe me when I said that. But And going to him and say, no. The whole premise of everything that you're building that on is wrong. And they've never even gotten a splinter. You have your car. Is there anything more frustrating than your car breaking down? You can take it to a mechanic and have the mechanic say, well, I've been watching YouTube videos, and I've been talking to my buddies, and I've been talking to people who used to be in mechanic school, and now they know how to fix this car. We're going to fix your car. No, thank you. No, thank you. We're to be a workman. Workman rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm going to move quickly, and I'm going to skip part of that. I may come back to it another, another Sunday, but this is where I want to get to. Stay with me. We're to be workmen so that we are not ashamed of wasting our lives and not doing God's will. What a shame if one day we stand before God having studied but with nothing to show for. Uh, we need to be reminded. Let me get to back where I want. No, notice the words. Okay, let's move to here. Look back at verse number one. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Now, notice in this. We're to move on, not laying again the foundation. Notice those words. Not laying again the foundation. As a preacher, I am not going to dig up my foundation. Not going to do it. I don't care what best-selling book comes out. I don't care what. I'm not digging up my foundation. Once we have laid the foundation, we are to build something on it. We're to build the work God has called us to do. We are not to continue to go back and replace the foundation. Many men stray from the faith because they keep revisiting the foundation. I am not going to debate with you over whether or not this is the Word of God. I can recommend to you a lot of churches that they make, it seems their goal is to put doubt in your mind about what God said. This ain't the place. Well, I read it. Good for you. How much of this you live it? How much of this you do it? I have established by faith that this is the word of God. By the way, if it's not, what's, your, what's the faith of your salvation in? Well, what am I really saying? Well, do you really believe God sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sins? That he rose again on that third day? He sits at the right hand of the Father? <clears throat> I'm not going back and revisiting that. I have established it by faith. I believe it is salvation by grace. 
I don't care what anybody else says. You can add whatever you want to add. You can take Scripture out of context. I have established it. I don't have time. I want to help build lives. I want to help build homes. I'm trying to build a church for the glory of God. I don't have time to debate something I've already established. I don't have time to go back and revisit something that I established a long time ago in my life to decide if it really is the truth. I've laid that foundation. I've moved on. I've moved on to build a work on top of that foundation. And you and I, we will leave the faith that Paul kept if we're always going back or we're letting the devil through the form of those who think they're smarter than they really are, to have you revisit what you've always been taught. And your mom in that King James Bible was good enough for you when you got saved. The pastor was good enough when you had a crisis in your life. His, the truth of him going to that book, that was enough for you to comfort your soul when you were grieving. Don't go back and have somebody have you revisit what has been established. Paul never did. Paul was saved on that Damascus road. He knew who saved him. He knew who called him. And he's saying now, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation. If you lay another foundation, it is not the same foundation that was laid before. Because there's not two faiths. And you and I will stray because we keep revisiting the foundation. If you have somebody you work with, and, and I've seen it so many times through the years. Let's have this, let's have this debate. And it, well, all it is is to put questions and doubt in your mind. Can somebody answer me a practical, logical question? Can somebody show me from the Bible where it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to, to put doubts in your mind? So if somebody's putting doubts in your mind about what this book says, it's not the Spirit of God, it's the devil himself. The devil puts fear, the devil puts doubt. The Holy Spirit comforts, confirms, convinces. Don't revisit your foundation. Know why it's your foundation. There's no need to revisit it. I, I've been preaching for more than 20 years now, I guess going on 30 years now. I'm not going back to revisit the things I established as a young man. Because that, they were true then, they're true now. And, and it's part of my responsibility as a pastor to teach what that foundation is. I am too busy. Matter of fact, I don't have my schedules full teaching those who want to know the foundation of Christ to debate with those who've revisiting the foundation of Christ. And we'll see next week, my Bible forbids me from doing that anyway. Uh, we must establish by faith so that we can build on. Now, very quickly, let me mention the things that are the foundation of that faith that Paul kept. When Paul said, I have kept the faith there are, there are many who have stronger faith than you and I who have given up that faith because they let the devil put a question in their mind. And we don't need to, if there's somebody, and I, I don't, I, I just feel like this needs to be said from time to time, 
If there's someone who's going to bring sin in here and disperse it amongst the teens, I'm going to deal with it. And you that are parents that have a teenager, you'll thank me for it. Because the last place sin that we're trying to keep from this, our kids from this world should come to us is in the, in the church. It's part of my responsibility. You can, you can rest assured as well that if there's somebody lingering on the outside of the church who wants to peddle false doctrine. It's going to be dealt with from this pulpit. From time to time, I'm going to remind you there are books you don't need to read. I'm going to remind you there are things you don't need to watch. Well, I got to find out if it's okay. Do you really, do you really have to watch an R-rated movie to find out if it's really bad? Do you really need to go get drunk to find out if it's as bad as everybody says it is? Do you really need to go get strung out on drugs and live in a gutter for six months to find out if it's really? That's the same thing that is being said. Well, I got to find out for myself. You don't have to find out for you. Don't, you don't need to find out for yourself. What you're saying is, I know more than God knows. I know more than that book knows. Don't revisit the foundations that you accepted by faith. It'll shake your faith. Let's look at these very, very quickly, and, and, I, and I'll be done. The foundation of repentance from dead works. Paul is saying this is a foundation that his lady is not revisiting. Dead works are those things that people look to for salvation beyond the grace of God. Dead works are things such as baptismal generation, lordship salvation, or the sacraments. Dead works are anything added to or substituted for the gospel. Paul is saying, I've established that. I'm not revisiting this foundation. You and I that are saved by the grace of God, we don't, need to, we don't have to revisit it. Because if you're saved, that's how you were saved. And the foundation of repentance from dead works is anything added to the gospel. The gospel is, is, is faith and faith alone. He also says, secondly, as we look at verse number 1 again, not laying in the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. We find the foundation of faith towards God. We must look at the context to understand the teaching. Once a person has changed his mind or repented from dead works, then his faith is in the work that God performed for his salvation. It is simple. Salvation is by grace through faith. Once we know our dead works cannot save us, we place our faith in God's work. We then put our faith no longer in dead works, but the work God performed through his Son, Jesus Christ. We have laid that foundation, that is my faith, it is toward God. I cannot save myself, therefore it is in God's work. When I put my, what Paul is saying, and it's a reminder of this foundation, when I put my faith in what Jesus did, God did the work of saving me. Because I could not save myself. You could not save yourself. So Paul is laying this foundation, the foundation of faith towards God. The third foundation that he mentions is, is in uh, verse number 2. It is the foundation of the doctrine of baptisms. He says, in a faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms. Notice that it is not a single, it's, not a, 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 it's, a, it's a plural word, baptisms. 
He is not saying anything other than, remember, he's already laid the foundation of it is faith in Christ that's our salvation. It's a work that God does. It's the foundation of the doctrine of baptisms. This doctrine is, is, is an important doctrine. The word baptisms is plural, indicating that there are multiple baptisms. To fully understand this, we must go back to the source of what is being spoken, the doctrine of Christ. Christ established the purpose, method, and order of baptism. That's why I still believe that when a Christian gets saved, they should get baptized. It's a picture of what Christ did, the death, burial, and resurrection. It's identity with Christ. But there, not all baptisms are doctrinal. I don't think we'll have any dispute with this tonight. Infant baptism is not scriptural. It is a form of baptism, but it does not fit into the doctrine of Christ. There are many faiths, but there's only one doctrine of Christ. There are many, quote-unquote, salvations, but there's only one true salvation is through the doctrine of Christ. There is a scriptural, there is a baptism when it comes to the doctrine of Christ. Infant baptism is not scriptural. Baptismal regeneration is not a Bible doctrine. Baptism has nothing to do with salvation. Baptism, baptismal regeneration is not a doctrine of Christ. There are many in the Church of Christ is, 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 a, is one that is well known for this. You must be baptized to be saved. That is not scriptural. It, 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 Paul's saying, I don't need to revisit that because it's a foundation. Repeated baptism for recommitment is not part of the doctrine of Christ. I bring this up because some of these things are creeping into Baptist churches. And there's churches that are revisiting the doctrines of Christ. And I'm going to recommit. Well, you better get, you must not have been saved. You need to get baptized. That is putting doubt into minds of Christians who put their faith in Christ. Well, every time you mess up, you need to get baptized because you must not have been saved. That is, that is not what the Bible says, and we do not need to revisit that foundation. I'll move on. The foundation of laying on of hands. This is what I want you to pay close attention to because this is often taken out of context. What is the laying on of the hands? If I illustrate this within the Old Testament, when a priest was ordained for the priesthood, there was a ceremony in which they anointed him with oil and laid their hands upon him, setting him apart for his position as a priest. Some would say the laying on the hands is being filled with the Spirit of God. You've got to remember, we're talking about the doctrines of Christ. The doctrines of Christ. So this laying on the hands, gift of that priest to perform the duties of a priest, it commissioned him to do what he was supposed to do. When we received Christ, we were anointed by the Holy Spirit or consecrated as priests. That's why we don't have to pray through a man to talk to God. Because when you and I got saved, we became priests. The Old Testament, those sacrifices were made by the high priest to confess the sins of the people to God. When Jesus came, when Jesus was crucified, that veil in the temple was, was torn in twain, and now man could talk directly to God because when we got saved, we became a priest. 
So in context with the doctrines of Christ, that laying of the hands is simply saying that we are set apart for the work of God. It's again showing us that we're to be a workman. We are to do the work of God. There are too many Christians that are revisiting their foundation so they're not doing the work that they were saved to do. All of us should be serving God. All of us should have something to show when we stand the judgment seat of Christ because we serve Him now. And so the laying on the, on the hands, as it mentioned here, is merely the understanding that we are set apart. I say this because there are many today who are told they need to learn a certain amount before they do anything for God. You know what I like when, with new Christians? Is most of the times they want to get busy for God. They just wanted, you mean I can serve? You mean I can do something for God? Yes, God saved all of us to serve. We don't need to revisit this. There's many today who question whether or not a Christian really is supposed to be separated. We are. That We are set apart to do His work. I move on to the next one, the foundation of the resurrection of the dead. Very simply put, and I'm running out of time, we are... We do not need to be looking for something more than the simple understanding that Christ is going to return and we will be raised from the dead to be with Him. This is appropriate with Resurrection Sunday today. And we have to be careful in this day we live because I do believe there's a lot of prophecies unfolding before us. I believe everything that's taken place in our world and in our nation on a daily basis, but, but really specifically in the last six months, is things have been positioned and there is a prince in the power of this air. There are principalities that are in control. And Christ could return tonight. We've got to be careful that we don't get so caught up in what prophetic things are taking place that we're not doing the work that we're supposed to do. I have talked to Christians. I have even had conversations with other, with other preachers. Well, it's obvious he's coming back. We're just, we're just holding down the fort and waiting for him to come because, you know, it's going to get, we're going to be persecuted by our government. It's just not going to, people just aren't going to be looking for it. So we're just, that's not Bible. I don't have to revisit because I know he's coming back. I know where I'm going. It was, I had a conversation with someone. The other day. I said, yeah, it looks like the, you know, with some of the things that are taking place in our government, how you can, can see, we don't know, but you can see, and it's kind of, it seems to be that way, that things are going to line up, and when they, whenever they have a chance to persecute the cause of Christ, they're going to. They're going to. But, I, but I'm checking out of here at some point. If, and I don't want this to happen, but if they lined all the Christians up and got rid of them, you do know that it's a short trip for you and I. The day's coming, I'm out of here. The day's coming, I'm gone. I, I won't need to pray about whether I need a vaccine or don't need a vaccine. I won't need to worry about what conspiracy is coming next. I don't need to worry about this or that. I'm out of here. And, and until I go, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to do the work that God has given me. He's not in the tomb. He has risen. And because of that, 
All I need to know is that trump's going to sound, and because of my salvation, I don't have to fear death. I don't have to fear a grave because I will overcome death because he has overcome death. That's been established. I'm not going to doubt my salvation. I'm not going to doubt my eternal security. I'm not going to doubt because I'm not going to come back and revisit that. I'm not going to let some false teacher try and convince me that maybe we're in the tribulation now because I've, I've had established in my life that before a Christian goes through the tribulation, that trumpet's going to sound and we're not going to be here. Well, if you watch this video, why in the world? I'm not revisiting it. I'm not getting an hour and a half back and it's bad acting anyway. I'm not getting that time back. And too many, read this book and it'll change your mind. Why in the world would I, would I revisit the things that I've established? Paul said, Timothy, of whom thou hast been assured of. You got saved under my ministry, Timothy. You grew up growing under my ministry, Timothy. You've seen the hand of God. And if you're honest, you know that. You know what God has done in your life. Don't, don't revisit it. I don't need to revisit whether or not resurrection of the dead's taking place. I don't need to revisit if the rapture is real. Absolutely. So, well, Pastor, people don't know. That's why you preach it. And then it's the Spirit of God who convicts them of that. And if they reject what the Spirit of God tells them to be true, that is their rebellion towards God. That's why those who had the faith and then have betrayed it, they are in rebellion towards God. Because they are revisiting what should be established in their life. Uh, the trumpet's going to sound, church is out of here. It's gone. Well, if, Pastor, I just, I thought you were a student of the Word of God. You know, I'm, I'm too busy studying the Bible so that I can feed God's people. I'm too busy as I read my Bible this week. I'll have my prayer list. And as I'm praying for the people that God has placed in my care, I'm reading that Bible to help me. But I'm reading it for something to help you. I don't have time to revisit what I've already established. Because you've got burdens. Because you've got children to rear. Because you've got to go out in this world. And you've got to be a life for Christ. So you know, while some are debating whether or not this book is true, I'm just going to get into book to try and find something that I can give you so that you can have strength this week to carry your burden. See, it's a different thing when you want to be a workman and not revisit what you've already established, the foundation of the resurrection of the dead. Then we see the foundation of eternal judgment. We're almost through. The Christian... What this is speaking of is the Christian must believe there is an eternal judgment of those who reject Christ. Remember, it's the doctrines of Christ. And, and I don't think there's any confusion to what we believe. We believe there is a hell. And we believe those that reject Christ will spend eternity there. Eternity there. That should compel us to go and tell the lost. That should compel us 
to keep the faith? Why would I give up the faith and take a faith where there is no judgment when God has said there is one? We must continue to believe. Why would Paul... There's a lot of Christians that they're for serving God until God requires something of them. Why would Paul continue the, after the first time he was beaten and thrown in jail? I don't know what it was like, but he probably left. like, I'll see you guys next week. Because we read accounts of they're out, they're back on the street preaching it again. What in the world would compel him to do that? Because he had already established the foundation of the, of the eternal judgment. If he was too busy debating whether or not there was a hell, he wouldn't be telling those that were on their way there that they need to receive Christ and they could avoid that judgment. I wonder how many Christians or how many lost people will face that eternal judgment because Christians are not keeping the faith. Or they're too busy debating the faith to do the work that God has called them to do. And I hope this helps because sometimes we get caught. I want to defend the faith. I want to keep the faith. I don't want to, and if is this person wanting to, if I can help them, I want, I want to help them. Friend, if, if they're there to put a question and have you revisit your foundation, their goal is to shake your faith. We don't need to revisit what God has already established. Then we see one more phrase we'll get to. And then we'll end tonight. Verse number three. And this will we do if God permit. Think about this. The doctrines of Christ go on to perfection. Completion. Paul was waiting for that crown. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The work that he did, the suffering he endured for the cause of Christ had nothing to do with him getting deeper in the Word, but for him living the Word, for him preaching the Word. You must, you must establish that foundation. And I think you know your pastor well enough to know that I study. I work hard so that I can Give us all something that will help us. I'm not advocating being dumb when it comes to the Bible. But once I've established it, I'm not revisiting it. I'm not coming back to it. I thank God for the, the counsel that I heard from older men who were preaching and the counsel they would give to young preachers that you Decide what you believe now and don't ever leave it. By God's grace, I haven't left it and I never intend to. And I've learned enough through the years that one way you don't ever leave it is if you don't revisit it. I'm not revisiting it. I'm not going to revisit. 
And this will we do if God permit. What does that mean? Well, you're going to keep it if God permits. I don't think that's what it means. Every morning when I wake up, I strive to do the work of God if He permits. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. Pastor, why would you say that? Well, you're not guaranteed tomorrow either. And if God gives me a tomorrow, if God permits, I have a work I have much to do for Him. Christian, if God gives you a tomorrow, you must strive to do the work of God if He permits. If He gives me another day, then He's permitted me another opportunity to spread the gospel. I do not look at every day as an opportunity to lay a foundation that has already been laid. Every day is an opportunity to build on that foundation. Where, going back through, you drive down the toll road, you get off any of these main roads through here, you can see the houses being built. You go drive down one road, there'll be nothing there, and the next week there's like a neighborhood. Oh, must have planted those seeds and watered them good because there they are. Well, you'll go through and you'll see the foundations laid. Then the crew comes in to build on the foundation. They don't keep going back to the foundation, back to the foundation, back to the foundation, back to the foundation. Foundation's been laid. Time to build on the foundation. If God permits, there's a work to build on the foundation. I'm not going to get up tomorrow. And Christian, if the devil attacks you, you have a burden you have a heartache, you have a disappointment, you enter into a battle, that does not mean you're supposed to read, well, I guess what I believe. No, you don't have to revisit what you believe. You do the work that God has given you to do. You build on that foundation. So the faith that Paul said, I have kept the faith, was the doctrine of Christ. This is an important principle for us to establish tonight. And then next week, we're going to talk about verse number four, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. I hope tonight's study helps us understand that once that foundation is laid, we don't need to revisit it. This is why this is Emmanuel Baptist Church. It is not Emmanuel Community Church. It is not Emmanuel Church of the West Side. It is not, it is the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Pastor, do you think you would take the name off to entire? No, 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 no. I want people to know this is a Baptist church. Well, have you, if you, what do you think about? I don't, I don't have to think about it. I have established it. I believe that's what this book teaches. I'm not revisiting it. Pastor, what about those that, that, that I, I believe they're saved and I believe they're, that they're, they're doing a work for God, but they're, they're doing all these changes? We'll get to that next week. But I'm not going down that road. I'm not going to revisit. I, none of us, myself included, can survive revisiting the foundations. An Old Testament verse of Scripture, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Jesus, 
is the foundation. God lays foundations. The enemy is in the business of destroying the foundation. You look in our own country. There's a reason why they go for the monuments. There's a reason why they attack the founding fathers. There's a reason why even something, and, I, and, I, and, I, and they may be this dumb, but I don't think they are. They say the Constitution is a racist document. They may be that ignorant, but there's a motive for that. There's a motive for it. They're attacking the foundation of our nation. They know they can't change it into what they want it to be until they destroy the foundation. The same is true because the same person who's behind the destruction of our nation is the same person that visits churches and said, let's talk about that foundation. It's 2021. Does it really need to be as hard of a stand on this issue and this issue and this issue? Well, considering that it's my foundation and I've established it, I'm never revisiting it. As an American, I don't have to revisit because I, I know what the foundation is. I know what it is. And, I, and, I, and I'll, keep, I'll, I'll, I'll take this a little bit further and then we'll close. And the reason why they're getting as far as they can in our country is because there's generation that's come through public education that have been told the very things that I mentioned, or they're ignorant of the foundation. And the reason why churches change, what good will it do for us to, to, to give right out a million dollars over the next three years to build these buildings if we're going to revisit this foundation? We don't need to revisit it. If we apply this book, we'll reach our city. We'll make a difference. Don't fall prey. And I've had this, I've been burdened by this for months because we live in the day of the internet. We live in the day of social media. And you used to have to go down to the bad bookstores, the Christian bookstores, and get the false doctrine. But now it is pumped out and it is propagated and it comes right to your phone. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a, we got to stay away from it. Next week we'll talk about, and then I'll keep us on guard. This is why I wanted to do this, because if we allow our foundation to be shaken, you never come back. You never come back. Those that give up the faith are not like the prodigal. The prodigal in the pig pen of this world tonight, the father's on the front porch saying, come home. But I'm going to show you next week from this passage of Scripture, the one who gives up the foundations of Christ, the Bible is very clear. It is impossible for them to return. That's why God says, mark them. Avoid them, because they're never coming back. Let's guard ourselves. Be thankful you got a foundation you can build a life on, a marriage on, a home on. Be thankful you have a foundation that you can, we can build a church on. We can make a difference in our city, in our world. 
Let's not revisit the things that we know to be true. Father, help us tonight.